Okay, quick show of hands. How many of you here have worked for a company or been part of an organization that has a mission statement? That's a lot of hands, okay. <laughs> now, how many of you could tell me what it is? Not many hands, just a few, okay. The mission statement is the single greatest invention of the management consultant industry of the 1980s. Great fortunes were made by consultants who hired themselves out to help organizations generate mission statements. And on the way, they taught us to think outside the box, to maximize our value propositions, and to understand the difference between a goal and an objective, something which I'm still very fuzzy mm -hmm. about. I don't get that. Uh, mission statements like these were supposed to help us understand what's at our core, what's most important about who we are and what we do. The problem with most of them, unfortunately, is that they tend to be too long, too filled with jargon, and often too vague to really help us accomplish anything. So it's not a great surprise that most people can't tell you quite what their organization's mission statement says. Now, I've always felt like one of the, the best mission statements ever is the mission statement of Walt Disney World in Florida. And it's a great mission statement because it's only four words long. And those four, four words are, we make people happy. Pretty succinct. Now, my religious community, the Paulist Fathers, for years had what I thought was a pretty effective mission statement that really helped to tell us what we're all about. And in recent years, we've kind of moved away from a single mission statement to uh, mission priorities that we renew periodically. So our current mission priorities include recognizing and drawing on the gifts of people of color, welcoming those who feel excluded from the life of the church, inviting more women into leadership and ministry, and particularly important around here, uh, engaging young adults in their 20s and 30s. These four things are pretty easy to remember, and they're a reasonably accurate representation of what we Paulists do. It's not a description of everything that we do, but it really helps describe where we believe our priorities are right now. This week we have a gospel reading that very neatly presents a mission statement for Christian believers. Jesus is confronted by this Pharisee lawyer, and there's a great combination for you, who want to trap him and make him look bad in front of the crowd. So this uh, lawyer asks him what might very well be a trick question when he asks which commandment of the law is the greatest. And by this he means, give me a quick summary. Pick like the one law that all the others could be derived from. And this is probably an impossible task because whatever Jesus picks, he's going to be criticized for leaving something out. It's an old rhetorical trick. If you can't attack someone for what they say, you attack them for what they don't say. So Jesus answers not with one law, but with two taken from different parts of the Hebrew scriptures. Both parts would have been familiar to his audience, but by putting them together, he really neatly avoids this whole rhetorical trap. 
The law, everything that God commands, is based on love, not on vengeance, not on punishment, not even on justice, on love, love of God and love of our neighbors. That's not too hard to remember. And it works as a mission statement because it calls us back to our core values. If we have any motivation for what we do apart from love, then we are in trouble. And our first reading from, uh, I, from Exodus is really a, a good illustration of this. This little section of Exodus is designed to delineate the people's social behavior. This is the part of the law that Jesus says is derived from love of God and love of neighbor. And it's based on love, not on an eye for an eye, not on equality, and not even on justice. It demonstrates a particular concern for the poor, uh, not the, and, and the poor, the widowed, and the orphans. Uh, and this is love of neighbor not the neighbors that you might invite over to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, these are the neighbors that no one invites to anything. God is asking his people to set up a system to make sure that the poor and the powerless are cared for. We could do with that kind of a system today. Our judicial system is called the justice system and we have a justice department in the federal government what we don't have is a mercy system or a department of compassion. Perhaps that's why the U.S. has 5% of the world's population and 25% of the world's incarcerated population. Uh, there has to be something behind that statistic other than just efficient law enforcement. Our laws tend to favor the rich more than the poor. As much as we might want law to bring us love and compassion, it can't. It's not designed for that. Instead, it's up to us to be God's compassion in the world. It's up to us to live out the love of God and love of our neighbors. And we will start to do that when we really own our mission statement, when we remember these two elements from which every commandment is derived. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, and soul and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself.